You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. The Audio Vault on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. James Pledger. Jack Thompson, the Saturday morning hangover. Good morning and welcome into the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 FM. You can listen online at ESPNSA.com. I'm James Pledger. I am joined this morning by Katie Goodman, Jack Thompson, out at a wedding this weekend. So good for him. We're just here to slay. I mean, you and I. I'm a little bit jealous. Weddings usually mean open bars, and open bars are always fun. Yeah. We are the Saturday morning hangover. Good music, <laughs> whole shebang, man. Dancing. Yeah. I mean, weddings yeah, are I, I fun. Could use, I could use a good wedding now that you mentioned right? it. Right. You know, like like a good one, the one where the the grandparents aren't totally offended by the <laughs> rap music and they're not totally judging you for getting down. <laughs> I think we're moving out of that phase, though. (laughs) Like, the grandparents are getting a little younger. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're becoming more and more accepting, no doubt. So, I'm with you. I could use a really good wedding because it's just fun. Like, it is fun all the way through. I've been to a lot, obviously, but I haven't been to one in a while. And I was thinking about, you know, Jack, and I saw some of the pictures, and I was like, man. I could go for a really good, like, wedding weekend. Well, the best part is, like, the plan is set. You know you're going to go to this one venue, and you're just going to drink, and you're going to party and have a good time. It's not going to be like, you know, when you go out on a typical weekend, bopping around with people, plus free food. Free food, free drinks, open bar, lots of good people. Everybody's in a great mood. Yeah, And and these people have spent a lot of money. And so it's like, you better be having a good time for... (laughs) 25,000 plus dollars whatever this wedding yeah, is. Yeah, whatever so. the heck it yeah, ended up costing. Up nowadays, yeah. Up. But it has been a wild week as, you know, we're past football, we're past the Super Bowl, we're now past the NBA All-Star break. Everything's starting to kind of come into focus. We got the NFL Combine coming up next week, so draft season is about to ramp up substantially and we're going to f- start figuring out how big certain players are, how much they weigh. Is it a pound too much yeah. or a pound too little? Are they lying about their height? Exactly. Like Bryce Young. And, and <laughs> everybody talks about the lying season for the players and do they add up? Do they measure up? Are they who they say they are? Well, it's lying season for teams too yeah. because teams are always like, oh, I'm really interested in this guy, even though they're interested in that guy. Mm-hmm. So It's all like chess, mental chess and planting things and that they don't even have actual intentions of going toward. It's, you know, it's a lot of drama when you think about it. Like it's almost more drama out of season than it is in season at time. Absolutely. Know. And it is the greatest the thing because <laughs> we have Aaron Rodgers emerging from a darkened cave. Yes. 
You know, it's like, like Groundhog how Day. I'm like, how can y'all talk mess about Aaron Rodgers, man? He's over there doing his personal work, trying to be a better human uh-huh. for everybody. Who knows what happened in that cave? But you know what? <laughs> it's, it must be working if he, he went there and did it again. I'm just wondering, is Aaron Rodgers like Puxatani Phil? Is he going to come out of this cave? Did he see his shadow, which means <laughs> two more years of Green Bay? Or did he not see his shadow, so he's going to go to New York or Las Vegas? Like, how does this work? And I'm waiting for McAfee on Tuesday so he can tell me what happened. I think it probably depends on the psychedelic he took in that cave because in the the trip he had and the visions he saw. Well, the thing is about this this type of meditation, this four-day emerged in darkness. I've done a little bit of reading on this to kind of, you know, understand what's going on because he did the whole ayahuasca thing yeah uh last off season so now he's going into a darkness retreat and apparently when you're in a sensory depth deprivation like that Mm -hmm. for i think it's by the third day or something like that you start to kind of hallucinate a little bit and and kind of trip out like just just the sensory deprivation itself starts to kind of have a psychedelic effect on you. I believe that. You're probably like straight up in a dream state. Or if you're a super spiritual person, you're probably just connecting with all your ancestors or whatever. I mean, that's a whole nother, so you, you know, which black one you, hole we could go into. Which one are you on? Are you on the uh, are you a dream state person or a whole probably, whole nother plane of reality? Probably a little of both. You know, I'm, I'm a balanced gal. Okay, I believe. I believe all kinds of things can happen. I don't know. I don't know what's out there. I I can't tell you for sure what is this or that. <laughs> you know, I've had my own spiritual experiences, so I can only imagine what he must have what must have gone down there in that cave. The great news about Aaron Rodgers emerging from the darkness is not the jokes, even though they are plentiful and great. <laughs> it is the fact that the the off season of this quarterback carousel that we intend to be happening finally gets to kind of start because Aaron Rodgers is the domino everybody is waiting to fall for first. Derek Carr took his visit to the Jets and they were like, look, we think you can be a Hall of Famer if you sign with us. But we're going to wait on Aaron and his decision, so we'll get back to you. (laughs) I'm like, if you believe he's going to be a Hall of Famer with you, why don't you make that move instead of risking losing him? But everybody's waiting on Aaron. So I do believe, especially when Derek's brother, David Carr, came out and said, this is going to be a long process. They also understand that the entire thing hinges on the Aaron Rodgers domino, which way it falls. And that leads to all the others falling. Right. I wonder if any of his ancestors told him the Jets or, you know, like, that's what I'd be saying. I'd be like, hey, give me a sign. Help me out here. We will find out on McAfee on Tuesday, I'm sure. Give us McAfee to give the sign. Yeah. It's always McAfee, man. Yeah. The cool dude, the dude that wears the sleeveless hoodies. Like, I'm about it. Yeah. I am about it because I also enjoy sleeveless hoodies as much as everybody likes to make fun of them. Did you hear about... Some little eight-year-old kid like called into his yes, podcast. That is awesome. That was the funniest thing I have heard. And he like, <laughs> what did he say? Screw Philly. Yeah. <laughs> so he goes on and on. I'm, I'm so I I just love your show and how you talk about your life. It's inspiring. And then he goes, Screw Philly. But he used an F bomb instead. Yeah. Yeah. F bomb <laughs> Philly. 
Bleep Philly. Bleep Philly. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm trying to behave. But I, I don't think most bleep. Dallas Cowboy fans also feel the same way as that little eight-year-old boy. So, <laughs> <laughs> Understandably. Understandably. And, uh, I feel that way about Philly, too. I gave a hot take, and they proved me wrong real bad. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, feel real bad. I mean, we give a lot of takes that end up being wrong. Yeah. One of the takes that I thought early this year is already wrong. Which one is that? A year ago, a little over, uh, under a year ago, the Dallas Cowboys drafted this cat named Tyler Smith in the first round. Offensive tackle. And he had some issues coming out of college. He had a lot of penalties, a lot of holds, and that was kind of the bugaboo of the Dallas Cowboys this season before and why they had lost to the San Francisco 49ers in Dallas that year. Penalties, slow start, like offensive line, issues like these were reasons for the Cowboys not beating San Francisco two years ago. Fast forward through the year, Tyron Smith blows out his hamstring, tears it uh, uh, so much that a piece of his hip was torn off the bone, like the groin, like it was an avulsion fracture. So <laughs> it was not great. And Enter Tyler Smith, who ends up playing phenomenally. And then halfway through the season, Rudy and I are looking at each other and we're like, I, Tyron Smith doesn't have a job. Like, you got Tyler's, uh, Terrence Steele from Cibolo Steele on the right side playing great. You've got Tyler on the left side as a rookie coming in and playing phenomenally. By the way, Dak Prescott, once he returned from his injury, Second least pressured quarterback in the league. That's how well that offensive line was playing. Oh. oh. Now, the most interceptions in the league. Yeah. So do with that information what you will. Right. But that's interesting. Second I least felt pressured. Like O line that needed help with the Cowboys, but played very, very well. Played very, very well. Now, they got lucky with the fact that Terrence Steele got hurt. And I say lucky in terms of when uh, Terrence. Tyron Smith. There's returned. a lot of Smiths. There's so many T Smiths. I'm like, which Smith are we talking it's about here? TY. They're both TY. Yeah. It's Tyler and Tyron. Tyron. So, yeah. <laughs> but Tyron was coming back and Terrence got hurt. So they opened up a spot on the right side for them to kind of, but they kept telling us week after week, well, <laughs> he's a walking gold jacket. When he comes back, he's going to take his spot. Like he is, he is T Tyron Smith. Like he is a leader in this clubhouse. I'm like, yeah, I get it. But Mike McCarthy keeps talking about offensive line continuity. Why would you mess all of that up and do so much shuffling when all you really have to do is insert him in one spot or not at all, right? Right. And, but they're like, no, we'll put Tyron at left. We'll kick Tyler inside to guard. We'll put Jason Peters on the right side to deal with his. I'm like, you're, you're moving three pieces when you only have to move one. This doesn't make sense. Yeah. And especially when he's getting older and more injury prone. And, you and, know, I mean, he has only guy, played 17 career. games over the last three years. Oh, goodness. Yeah. He, yeah, he is the epitome to, of injury. Yeah. He's kind of making his way out, man. I feel for him. But it's like when, when you're an athlete, you're like, just take me out back and shoot me at that <laughs> point. Like, don't let me, don't let me just. <laughs> End like that, you know? <laughs> the time came, and Tyler was playing, and it was Tyron's fully healthy, and he's ready to come back. He did not go on the left side like they've been telling us. He went to the right side, and they moved him around. And 
it was a, apparent at that point to me that Tyler Smith had taken Tyron Smith's job. Yeah. Now, the question with that becomes you're paying him over $13 million this coming season. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of money for a guy that may not even be starting. Right. And you know they need that cap space. And they're, oh, that's the thing, man. That, that sucks because I'm sure he brings so much to the table, especially with that, you know, veteran leadership and could be a Hall of Famer guy, no doubt. It's just like every athlete's career comes to an end. It's mm-hmm. knowing when to kind of stop and walk away. And, man, that's a tough one. Well, John Machota had an interesting article yesterday on The Athletic. And we, we've been talking about it all day the fact that i believe the the exact quote of the headline of that article was something to the effect of quote tyron smith may have possibly played his last snap in dallas end quote sounds it kind of sounds like that and that breaks my heart for him you know but also like i think i'd rather end there than to like straggle on and and then play less games and then become forgotten like i would say he's not even going out on top at this point he's already kind of and we talk about guys that are on the struggle bus there were reports earlier this week that came out that nfl executives believe there is little left in the legs of zeke elliott and that he could be taking a massive pay cut to stay with the Cowboys somewhere around 2 to $2.5 million if he were to return. So the Cowboys could be under a state of enormous flux or massive money reshuffling. We're going to talk about that as we continue here on the Saturday Morning Hangover. As we heard from John Machota yesterday on the, excuse me, on the Blitz as he talked about his comments on Tyron Smith, Dak Prescott, and more. We're going to get into all of that as we continue on the Saturday morning hangover. Katie Goodman, James Pledger, we're rocking with you till 10 o'clock. And just a little bit of a nugget I'm going to throw out there, but the Saturday morning hangover may be adapting a little bit as we move forward. Just putting it out there. You may want to you know, push back your alarm clocks here in the coming month or so. We may be going back to our regularly scheduled time of 9 to 11. No date on when that may happen, but as March Madness gets closer, that, I think, is going to be something in the offing. So I know, you know. my friends will be happy about that. They're like, you're on at what time? I'm like, and yeah, guys, It's not even on. that know, early for me anymore. It's really not. I'm like, this is great. This is great. And that's how I know I'm old. <laughs> that's how I know I've crossed that line. All of the sudden, <laughs> I am that guy. Right. <laughs> For Katie Goodman, I'm James Fledger. You're locked into the Saturday morning hangover here on San Antonio's Sports Star. More on the Cowboys when we get back. This is 94.1 San Antonio's Sports Star. All day, going up and down so constantly. All highs, no lows here on the Saturday morning hangover. James Pledger, Katie Goodman, Jack Thompson's out at a wedding this weekend, so congratulations to the happy couple. Hope they're having a good time. I wish I had an open bar last night. <laughs> that they, uh, I hope they gave everyone their uh, you know, hangover packets. 
I think that's what... Is that the, a thing? That is definitely a thing. Like, the last couple of weddings, at least the ones that I've stood in, they will give you, like, liquid IV and Pedialyte and Motrin and a nice little pack for the next morning. See, I maybe it's just me. I don't really get hangovers. I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know. I, I don't know if it is either, but I think it's pretty great. <laughs> I know, right? Hey, as long as you have just a couple every day, right? That's the way to do it. I stopped drinking once for two years, and when I came back to it, I had like half of a vodka water, and I thought I was going to die the next day. So it's definitely moderation is the better route to go, no doubt. <laughs> not drinking for two years is really not that fun. I mean, and you don't you, get that much gonna, healthier, to be honest. If you're going to drink, don't. Quit cold turkey because it's yeah. not going to be as great getting back on that bike. Right, exactly. But you know what? I got back on it. That's all that matters, right? I'm here. I'm here, guys. <laughs> getting back on the bike for the Cowboys may be difficult for Ezekiel Elliott, who is looking at coming to, I believe the word used earlier this week by the athletic was an ultimatum is coming from Bob Sturm. They said that he could and he's scheduled to make over $16 million this year, he could be looking at taking a massive pay cut down to about two, two to $2.5 million or be released outright. And if that's the case, that's... Hold up. From 16 to $2 million, I feel like... Here's the thing. like it was a, He had a career low yards this mm-hmm. season, right? But he also had a career high touchdowns like 12 touchdowns yes so it's like it's not like he's terrible is he maybe not the right piece maybe but you would think his agent would be like what are you thinking try to go somewhere else that's a big cut that is a big cut but according to sources and nfl execs around the league they think that he's almost done like there is little left in his legs as terms of who he was. He was a very explosive back. And I don't hate the idea of Ezekiel Elliott on this team. I've always hated the idea of Ezekiel Elliott on this team at his contract price and them trying to justify his contract by giving him additional carries. If he was a short yardage guy, a goal line guy, a guy you could punch it in from the goal line so he could keep his touchdown numbers up. He could still finish with 12 to 14 touchdowns, whatever. I understand him in that capacity. But don't give him 15 to 20 carries and try and make it even with Tony Pollard or he gets a little more than Tony Pollard when obviously Tony Pollard, to anybody that watches football, they understood he was the better running back and should have had more carries. Like, understand your role. If you're a great uh, pass blocking running back use him in passing situations in which you need extra protection thirds and longs, stuff like that where you can you know have him in as a protector for Dak or in short yardage situations where you can use him to pick up a first down or possibly punch in a touchdown like these are specific roles that Ezekiel Elliott at his current state fits in in the NFL, but don't lie to me and try and justify his contract by giving him 20 carries a game when he didn't need that. Right. I I can understand that completely. Like, he's a time and a place guy, and that just doesn't justify $16 million. Even then, too, 
It's a two and a half million pay cut. That's a lot. But he seems to kind of be on board with it. There's an article saying that he didn't know it was going to happen, but that he wanted to be with the Cowboys. So I think, you know, at least we know where he stands with it. He wants to be there. And for that reason, I think it speaks volumes. Someone willing to take a huge pay cut just because they want to stay on your team and be around. Maybe that's his only option, right? Mm -hmm. But I still think it speaks volumes about him and his character and and how much he loves the sport. You know, How much I, he loves this team. How much he loves this team. And I think at this point, the money is not that much. Does it mean as much to him as it does to just continue playing and to kind of being that spot guy? Let's not get it twisted. The money means a lot to a lot of people. So to, like well, these why, are professional why? athletes. They have egos. Yeah. So there's a reason he was getting as many carries as he was. Because it couldn't have just been me or a bunch of other fans that saw this. The the organization knew it, but they were justifying his contract because Zeke has an ego and they were trying to placate to that ego. Right. But once people start bringing up ultimatums, that'll check your ego pretty quick. And it's up to you what you do with that. You exactly. know, even if you are an egotistical athlete, like you got to like they're the boss at the end of the day. And it's better to comply sometimes. Now, good friend of the show, former Rock the Mic champ, Quinn Hudson, who apparently is listening in. Good morning, <laughs> Quinn. He has a very nice comparison. Zeke could be Marion Barber 2.0. And Marion the Barbarian was a fantastic running back for the Dallas Cowboys in the late 2000s, early 2010s. Like, he just was an animal at short yardage, running people over like he was powerful. That can be Zeke, I feel. Like, if he could fill that role because they had a compliment to Marion Barber and Felix Jones, who was their home run guy, which could be Tony Pollard. I also believe in letting Tony Pollard walk, but that's a completely different, different scenario altogether because I heard this this week on the NFL Network as Steve Smith, a former wide receiver of the Carolina Panthers, talked about having to come back from a similar leg injury that Tony Pollard is going to be coming back from. And if you're going to franchise tag him at 10 point whatever million dollars, better be careful. I agree with everything you said. I, I, I would spin it to this. It depends on... If you could get Ezekiel Elliott to restructure, but you also have to, you have to understand Tony Pollock, he's going to take some, it's going to take some time for him to get there. It hasn't been reported, but I've sustained an ankle injury uh, when you, when you break your ankle. And I tore the ligaments in the inside and the outside of my ankle. So it took me a long time to get back into game shape to where I felt comfortable cutting. They had to restructure. I was at the time, I, you know, shows my age. I was with Reebok. They had to structure a, a mid, high top shoe for me so I can feel comfortable in playing in that and in that time that he's that you're waiting for Tony Pollard to get back and be Tony Pollard who is going to be that back to fill in the gap while he's getting back if it is not Ezekiel Elliott you have now put yourself in a position where you have to fill in with a free agent or in the draft you actually have to reach for the guy that you want you can't go, well, we'll whoever falls to us, and let's hope. Now, mm. he had an injury that messed up the ligaments. Now, if you remember, Tony Pollard broke his leg 
They're letting the fracture heal on its own. The surgery he underwent, he didn't even get a cast or a boot or anything like that. They didn't do anything but go in and fix the ligament issues around his ankle. Basically a tightrope procedure, if you will, for those high ankle sprains that people deal with. Yeah. It wasn't his ankle. They're going to let that heal on its own, the broken bone. It was fine. They were more worried about the ligament damage around the ankle so, I hear that from Steve Smith, where he talks about having to come back from that ankle injury and it affecting him, and you're talking about a franchise tag of 10 point whatever million dollars, and you keep Zeke around, all of a sudden, all you've done is restructured the money in the running back room as to who's getting what. You haven't actually changed the dynamic of the running back room. You've just restructured the money and where it's going. You've played the little... The little uh, ball in a cup game yeah. <laughs> to where it's like, which one's it in? Which one's it in? The street corner game. That's what the Cowboys will be doing if they bring back Tony Pollard on a franchise tag. A lot of shuffling, no doubt. But you know what I picked up from that? Reebok. Man, that is a throwback <laughs> brand. And I just, I was just stuck on I was like, wow, that is really aging himself. But I'm going to sidetrack us for a second. Go for I've it. got a dad joke. Okay. What was the chicken wearing when it crossed the road? Feathers? Reebok box. <laughs> nice. Dork. I know. Dork. <laughs> I'm here all day, guys. All day. But one of the other things I take away from this, and this in our sidetrack, <laughs> what is it with TV and putting like random music under an audio, like, and then and like killing it halfway through? Like, it doesn't consist of the whole clip. It doesn't consist of anything more than just this small segment. Like, I never understood that. I don't know. Maybe they had like overlays, like images or video. They or something. do. That's the thing about they have about overlays, that. I mean, that's but what I've makes never the audio understood so the the like music. There's just yeah. the random music. Like, it's like keep the music at least if you're gonna start it. Maybe that was a that was a mess up on the producer side. Or no, because it's know. all it's all videos, and they usually kind of play it when they're showing like a clip of a highlight or something like that. So and that was weird music too. <laughs> like of all the choices, had a boom 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 boom. Yeah. Boom, boom. yeah. <laughs> drums or something (laughs) but what i take away from that is be careful franchise tagging tony pollard because there is a chance and we learned this last year with michael gallup that he doesn't return to his normal self early or possibly at all next season so if you pay him all of a sudden you are coming into this massive question mark of a season with him with no real backup option other than Malik Davis on your roster. Maybe that's where a rookie makes their way into the picture. Maybe that's where the draft comes into play. They don't have a ton of really high picks, though. They would have to trade for something, and I think they're already trying to do that for a rookie quarterback. Isn't that right? (laughs) I am glad that you brought that up because... My goodness, Nick Wright set the world on fire this week, formerly of 610 Houston, now works for FS1. He filled in for Colin Cowherd this week and had some blasphemy because there was a report that came out that said the Dallas Cowboys are intrigued by quarterback prospect C.J. Stroud. We'll get into that when we continue on the Saturday morning hangover on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 FM. And don't forget, listen online at ESPNSA.com. 
What's under that t-shirt? Girl, you know you're hotter than a fever, fever But I don't run around with sneakers, sneakers No, you don't even like me You just had another Welcome pair back into the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 FM and ESPNSA.com of course, you can call into the show on the Kielbasa Smoke Meats phone lines at 210-656-ESPN. That's 210-656-3776. I'm James Pledger. Jack Thompson is out this morning, but Katie Goodman riding along with me as always. Good morning, Katie. Morning. You've got the tunes down so uh, far this morning. A little I'm bit digging of a vibe it. this I'm morning. Digging it. I'm digging it. <laughs> I've got a little bit going on this morning, a little <laughs> up my sleeve, but... The Dallas Cowboys might have something up their sleeve as well because there is a lot to say when it comes to this time of year. Mm-hmm. We all question, like, the the spotlight on Dak Prescott has gotten so much bigger than it was going into this season after yet another failed playoff attempt in terms of getting to a conference title game, falling short against the San Francisco 49ers having a career-high 15 interceptions this year, tied with Houston Texans quarterback Davis Mills, by the way, only he played in less games, despite being the second-least pressured quarterback in the NFL since returning from his injury. So, with that said, the scrutiny has become amplified when it comes to Dak Prescott. I didn't know that that could happen because I thought he was Teflon for the longest time. Now, after the uh, season, we saw Jerry and Steven at the Senior Bowl. They both talked about wanting Dak around for the next decade and being the face of the franchise still. But reports this week came out that the Dallas Cowboys are, quote, intrigued by rookie quarterback prospect C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. And as a matter of fact, Nick Wright, of FS1 filling in for Colin Cowherd on the herd this week actually had a pretty interesting take when it came to the fact that the Cowboys were intrigued by CJ Stroud and how that could actually happen. The Cowboys being intrigued by CJ Stroud should not be disregarded, but we also should be very specific about the only way they could acquire him. They would have to trade Dak Prescott for the pick. If the Cowboys really want C.J. Stroud, they would have to call up Houston and say, Hey, D'Amico, you guys got cap space? You got good draft picks? You want to just have a 29-year-old, soon-to-be 30-year-old franchise quarterback? He lives in Texas already. We'll trade you him for the number two pick. And if you're sitting here saying, for the Cowboys' perspective, that would be crazy. If you really like C.J. Stroud, no, it's not. I will go on to say that this is a talking point because the Dallas Cowboys, with Dak Prescott, is going into this season of his deal where he is going to make $45 million. But next season, there is a potential out in his deal to where there's no guaranteed money and they could walk away free and clear without incurring any dead cap space and freeing up a whole lot of money. We've seen with Joe Burrow, we've seen previous to this year with Patrick Mahomes, and we have seen with Jalen Hurts that quarterbacks on rookie deals 
allow you to surround court, the quarterback with a lot of talent, which can help get him to a Super Bowl. But I feel like it's also a bit of a ballsy move because we've seen these rookies not do so well also, (laughs) even when surrounded by the best. Zach Wilson is a prime example of that. Um, And I think if you're in that position, you can't stake, you can't put all your eggs in one basket on a rookie. It depends how you feel about that rookie, though. Yeah, but he hasn't had a chance to to prove himself or, or anything at the NFL level. That that's my thing. Yeah. You know, and and I feel like if it you've got a, a bit guy of a leap of the faith. You've got Dak, right? And mm-hmm. maybe Dak's not perfect, but you at least know what you're gonna get from Dak. Mm-hmm. So I think it's like is there any other place that you can trade for a higher pick and then try to pull him from the pick prior to it, prior to the draft? Because once someone gets him, they're not gonna let that kid go. The only not way you trade a up a big trade. The only way you trade up from 26 without including Dak Prescott, and I don't think Dak Prescott's enough to trade up to two. I think it's Dak Prescott plus if if you're trying yeah. to get to Houston. And as far as Houston's concerned, I, would, I will not be hypocritical in this sense. I said earlier this year while Dak Prescott was having his issues with the interceptions, I was like, this might be a scheme thing. This might be a scheme thing. Like, I've seen Dak. I know what he is. Like, he's kind of near his ceiling. The only thing that can bump it up is basically the scheme he's in, something that fits him perfect to who he is, right? right. And I believe Kyle Shanahan's system, Dak Prescott, in that system specifically, would be a very, very good quarterback. Would he be elite? Mm-hmm. Remains to be seen, but... I think he would be and do extremely well and thrive in that system. The Houston Texans did hire Bobby Slowick, who is the passing game coordinator from the 49ers, who came with D'Amico Ryans to Houston. So that system, or a version of that system, I do believe will be in place in Houston. So I cannot be hypocritical and be like, oh, I don't think Dak Prescott's a very good quarterback, blah, blah, blah. I think he's a fine quarterback. I think he is who he is. I think the scheme could improve who he is, and I think he would thrive in such a scheme. So, to not be hypocritical, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for the Texans to consider that if that were the Texans' move. But, I have seen quarterbacks on rookie deals do give you an advantage when it comes to building a roster. I would prefer to go that route, given the wild card nature of it, but also, if you're the Cowboys and you believe you are also at Dak's ceiling or near it. The best way to break through that ceiling is to possibly go get a quarterback that can do that for you. Right, add a little bit of pressure. I will give it to this. The Kansas City Chiefs did that. They had a Pro Bowl quarterback in Alex Smith who had taken them to an AFC title game, who had gotten them into the playoffs, who had won double-digit games in multiple years, and Andy Reid and Alex Smith were doing great. They just couldn't break through the ceiling. They trade up to 12 and take Patrick, or 10, excuse me, and they take Patrick Mahomes. He sits that entire first year, plays the final game of the regular season just because they had locked everything up against the Denver Broncos, played okay, comes in next year, they get rid of Alex Smith, trade him to Washington, It was about this time of year, I believe. Patrick Mahomes is given the reins and AFC Championship game, losing overtime to Brady. AFC Championship game, win, go to the Super Bowl, 
win a Super Bowl. AFC Championship game, lose in the Super Bowl to Tom Brady. AFC Championship game, lose to Cincinnati. They have been to five straight title games and won two Super Bowls. This move has paid off for the Kansas City Chiefs. It has. And then even along that thought process, Dak was not... I don't even, was he a first rounder? I don't. He was a fourth rounder. Okay, pick. he was a fourth rounder, right? And he got his chance, and look at how much he stepped up. So, mm-hmm. so my thing is like maybe, like not having to worry about the first round. You know, maybe there's sure. there's a guy in the mix that we aren't really paying attention to who is gonna do at least an, enough of a job to put enough pressure on Dak. There are two thought processes. This two two thought processes that you can go with with Dak Prescott. A, he needs more around him to be successful. Mm-hmm. You surround him with as much as you can. That is a tough thing, though, when you're already paying him. Two is we have reached our ceiling with Dak Prescott. He is who he is. We need to find the guy that can break through what that ceiling is, a la Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Right. Like There are two thought processes, and they are both very, very detrimental to the future of the organization. But is it even possible with them to do with not having a top draft pick and not having other people that maybe they can trade for a higher draft pick? Because it's kind of sounding like that's what needs to happen is they need a higher pick to get a better they do. quarterback. They do, or, uh, unless you happen to strike gold late. Like an Anthony Richardson falls to you, you take him as a project to groom behind, or you draft a Hinton Hooker, and hopefully he develops into something like that. That's the other way to go about it, is taking a quarterback. And I am... A big proponent of that and Shereen Williams, who is of pro football talk, she echoes the sentiment that I have when it comes to do you believe you have the guy, like the guy guy, like the Patrick Mahomes, the Joe Burrow, the guy that can basically be the leader of your franchise until he decides to walk away from the game, the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers, the guy that is no question, undoubtedly, the franchise quarterback that you believe can get you to a Super Bowl. And even if you have that guy, I mean, it doesn't prohibit you from taking a quarterback. I would do it every single year. I draft a quarterback every single year, and that was a philosophy of a lot of GMs in the past. The, the Packers did that for years and years and years, and the Cowboys, as a matter of fact, did that for years and years and years, and they ended up passing on Joe Montana uh, one year, even though he was the highest-ranked player when they drafted um, in the what the third round, they, they passed on him. I think you should absolutely do that, and, and it's, it's not an indictment of the quarterback you have on your roster it's just kind of looking to the future and building it. Brock Purdy is a good example of that. The 49ers used the last pick in the draft. He ends up being a key part of their team uh, and starting five games in the regular season and winning those five games and getting them to the championship game before he got hurt. So absolutely, I, I think there are a lot of quarterbacks there on that third day that you can draft and, and try to develop. The Cowboys did it with Dak Prescott. He had to play sooner than what they expected. Purdy had to play sooner than what the 49ers expected. And you look at a guy like Max Duggan, who's going to be there on the third day, and I like what the kid's done in college. I mean, why not take a flyer on somebody like that that you like, that you've evaluated, and let him sit back and learn the ropes and, and be your third quarterback 
for a year or two years. And if you have injuries, then you're going to find out about him a little bit sooner than, than you had hoped. I don't disagree with that at all. But it's whether or not it's even possible for them to do that. Like, I am all about having a rookie quarterback to apply some pressure to Dak and and just have that safety net and someone that you can develop. Mm-hmm. No doubt. I think that's a brilliant idea. That but, is my philosophy. That is my can philosophy, they? and yes, you can. Like, they've got a draft pick in every round. They have plenty of picks. You, you don't have to trade up to get C.J. Stroud. Like, let's take C.J. Stroud off the table. You can take a quarterback late. Yeah. J- Jaron uh, Hall out of BYU is a personal favorite of mine. You can find him probably in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Max uh, Duggan. Max Duggan out of TCU, who apparently Jerry really likes. He said he there, stood out, yeah. Like, there are multiple reasons that you can take a quarterback and groom him behind Dak Prescott. And then Brock Purdy's situation of, uh, kind of comes up, and now you have a... A decision to make. You could trade Dak Prescott and get plenty for him because he is worth first-round pick, whatever, or the backup. You could trade him and also recoup more draft assets. Like, if you hit on a quarterback at any point in time, doesn't matter what point of the draft you hit on one, if you find one, that is automatically capital in terms of trades to get more players and more draft picks and further evolve this franchise. It doesn't matter which quarterback you want to side with. If they're both good, you can take your pick of which one, and usually it's going to be the cheaper one. Right. I can I can understand both avenues, but I just don't foresee them parting with Dak considering his veteran leadership, right, and considering all the work they've done so far to try to surround him, surround him with stronger players and mm-hmm. how that in itself is its own storyline of, of them trying to surround him with, with better weapons, you know, and – you heard KJ Wright say it about Zeke. You know, mm-hmm. Zeke's numbers, he thinks, directly affected Dak's numbers. Fair. Totally fair. And so I just don't think they would they would cut him or trade him without trying that next extra step of seeing what he's like surrounded by really solid people. Now, imagine you also have a rookie who is backing him up, and that rookie is also surrounded by better weapons. Like, why not, you know, build around around the quarterback and then maybe rely on a lower draft pick quarterback rookie. That well, would be my move, but I'm also not Jerry Jones. So much is going to be determined about what the future is with what the Cowboys end up doing with Dak Prescott's contract this season. Because if they're truly going to surround him with weapons or do anything to help him, they're going to have to restructure his contract or extend him or do something to lower his cap hit. That will create space for them to do things, but it will also extend out his contract to make it harder for them to get out from under it over the next two years. He has an out next year to where they can walk away free and clear. So they can tell me everything they want about Dak Prescott. We believe in you 10 years, you're the future, blah, blah, blah. What they do with his contract this offseason will tell me the most about what they think about Dak Prescott. She is Katie Goodman. I'm James Pledger. When we come back, the All-Star break is over, but the Spurs losing ways is not. We are at a record 15 straight games. It is tough to get through, but there are some signs of hope.
We will break down some of those signs of hope on the other side of the break. This is the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and ESPNSA.com. This is Michael Jimenez, and you're listening to 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, ESPNSA.com. I'm James Pledger. Jack Thompson is out at a wedding. Katie Goodman riding along is always with me as we get you ready for this fantastic Saturday morning and kick off your weekend. Thanks for spending it with us. Of course, if you call in on the Kielbasa Bacon phone lines, Kielbasa Smoke Meat, the phone lines at 656-ESPN, 656-3776. You get on. Ken, how you doing this morning, my man? I'm just driving around. Katie, I want to tell you, you're doing a fine, excellent job. Oh, well, thank well, you. Thank you. And, and well, Pledge, well, he's good, and we'll just put it that way. Oh, <laughs> Pledge is holding it down, man. <laughs> thank you, kid. Appreciate the phone call. Oh, man, that is hysterical. That is a running joke going back from yesterday where everybody was getting upset that people were calling in to tell me what a good job I was doing <laughs> on their shows. <laughs> and so that theme has kind of carried through to Saturday now. And Katie, you are fun. now the one getting the uh, kudos on other people's shows. So. Hey, man, I'll take it. Kudos, Katie. It. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one person not getting kudos is the San Antonio Spurs. They are losing 15 in a row, but I give them kudos because, you know, 15 in a row, half a game behind the Rockets. Big series coming up next weekend as you play it back-to-back against the Rockets, which may be for the worst record in the league. But all you really have to do is be in the bottom three. You've all got the same chance, so it really doesn't matter. But, you know, if you're going to do it, do it the best, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to fail, fail real hard, right? Just commit to it. Just commit. They- and I, We're all on the train now. I think grieving has passed. We're in the acceptance phase of the grieving cycle here, and at least I am. And, and they if are you're not, committed. you need to get on it. <laughs> they are committed, or are they committed? Devin Vassell, who has missed a lot of this year, and I questioned multiple times throughout this season when he was playing and then resting and then playing and dealing with that knee issue, like, what are you doing shut him down? And he eventually got shut down, underwent surgery. He is working his way back, and Pop revealed to us that a return of Devin Vassell could be imminent. I think they're expecting him to maybe be back by. Uh, what do we have after Utah? Don't come home. Indiana. I think Indiana. They said he's got a decent chance to play them. So Devin Vassell could be returning next week when the Spurs return from their rodeo road trip, March second against the Indiana Pacers. It's just like, why rush him back? Like, why? Just let the guy really take his time and make sure he's good to go and healthy because when you'll really need him is next season. Come on. And you've got some solid guys coming in hot. Branham, he's averaging like 19 points per game. Playing fantastic. Hitting 52% from the floor. Like, he's so young, too. 19 years old. He very well could be the NBA Rookie of the Month for the month of February. He is playing that well. Jeremy Soham was a finalist last month, ended up losing out, but was a finalist for Rookie of the Month for the month of January. So there's a couple of pieces that are playing extremely well here lately. 
young pieces developing, growing, getting better. Now, the one thing I will say as it pertains to Devin Vassell is the fact that possibly you might want to see what he looks like playing with these other young guys to kind of develop that chemistry, to kind of get you on track to next year. But why so early? Why right. not a little bit later after you've kind of locked up one of the bottom three spots? That's my thing. Maybe they're trying to just ease them into it, test them a little bit. You know, maybe we're not going to see the the average, you know, what, like 15, 20 minutes per game. Yeah. But you might see just a couple minutes here and there. And I that's That's possible. wise to do when someone's coming back off an injury where they've been sitting for weeks. You want to just throw them back in the fire. True. And in all... Honestly, he's probably going to be low managed and as such to where he's not going to be getting a whole bunch of minutes. You're just trying to get him some ones, so it might not affect everything. We've got a lot more coming back here on the Saturday morning hangover. When we come back, the NFL QB carousel emerges as Aaron Rodgers emerged from his darkened cave. We'll find out what that means as it pertains to the NFL quarterback offseason coming up next on the Saturday morning hangover. This is San Antonio Sports Star, KTFM Floorsville, and always at ESPNSA.com. James Pledger, Jack Thompson, The Saturday Morning Hangover. Welcome back into The Saturday Morning Hangover, hour number two. We take you up to 10 o'clock. Myself, Katie Goodman, getting you ready on this Saturday morning and... The greatest thing about Saturdays is it is a time to just kind of kick back, relax, and kind of unpack everything. We kind of t- we look back at our week, we look forward to our weekend and the week to come. It is a nice kind of middle point in our lives, right? It really is. It's a great stopping point to just kind of take a breath and recap. You know, we don't have to recreate the wheel. We just recap what's going on. All the latest things we're talking about. For me, I have a really full day. I have Ooh. some college basketball hoops I'm calling games for. UIW? UIW, yeah. On ESPN Plus? On ESPN Plus. All right. Men's and women's. So, you know, put in your earplugs. If, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've got that, and then we go go on down to, or go on up to Austin and cover the Austin FC home opener against St. Louis. So Ooh, fun. I had a nice full day of sports. And Very nice full day. To it. Yeah. It's my Saturdays, man. All about it. Wouldn't want to spend it any other way. I'm looking through some of our tweets from the first hour, and things have been fantastic. Um, John Dyer at Spurs and Salsa tweeted in, Yep, you got to draft a quarterback every other year. If you hit on one, you can always trade them the way the Patriots did, with it, whether it was Matt Castle or Jimmy Garoppolo. It just becomes extra value for you and your team if you end up hitting on one. And I I agree. It makes a ton of sense because the NFL revolves around the quarterback. The quarterback is a very important piece when you talk about how you build a roster and how good that team usually is. It centers around the quarterback position. Very, very few times does it revolve around the rest of the team and then insert random quarterback. It works from time to time. But for the most part, the NFL revolves around that quarterback position. And we're going to see a lot this offseason as it pertains to the quarterback position because Aaron Rodgers is finally coming out of his darkened cave 
with a whole new perspective on life and how things may go, whether he should retire, return to Green Bay, go to New York, go to Las Vegas, go to Tennessee, I don't know, play in the XFL, whatever he wants to do. I feel like four days in a dark cave would probably make me want to retire. You know, it's like, you know, life's not all that complicated. Like, I don't know. I feel like that's what happens when you have those like mental breakthroughs. Like (laughs) who goes into that space and in the ultimate chill mode and then comes out and is like, you know what? I think I'm, I'm game to do this all over again and to stress myself out in this way all over again. But maybe... It's I don't know. Him. Maybe it's love. I don't know. Think about the future of Tom Brady. Tom Brady is a man who last year retired in February, had 40 days with his loving family, and decided, I got to get away from this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Came back yeah. to the NFL, got divorced, whole thing unfolds. This time of year comes back. Does the same thing on the same day, retiring, and now we're starting to hear rumblings that Tom Brady, who is not going straight into the broadcast booth, is giving giving himself that year buffer. There is the possibility now that they're talking about the San Francisco 49ers, Trey Lance not sold on, Brock Purdy, the injury, they're still swelling, they haven't been able to do that surgery on his UCL to correct it yet, which puts him in jeopardy from even playing next year. How could he not had it yet? Come on, he's Brock Purdy. That's crazy. There was still swelling in the elbow, uh, so they couldn't go in okay. and fix it yet. Okay. Got it. I see. That's um puts their quarterback position in limbo going into next year. You've got two quarterbacks coming off an injury. Jimmy Garoppolo was a free agent. And now there are rumors that Tom Brady could go to his hometown team. He is from Northern California. He grew up a 49ers fan. He idolized Joe Montana growing up. Little did we know that he would take the GOAT title from Joe Montana and run with it. But there is the very stark possibility. I swear to God, if he comes out of retirement, I I'm will find him life. myself and I will slap him and be like, why are you putting us through all this? Who cares? This is intense drama. I love it. Crazy. There's already enough drama between quarterback carousels, (laughs) and then he just comes in and lets some young dude (laughs) figure it out. God. Imagine that team last year if they had Tom Brady. The defense is set, the wide receivers are set, the running back position is set. Hell, he's got the best running back that is the type of running back he likes in terms of receiving and running in Christian McCaffrey, you give him a weapon like that, and oh my goodness, Tom Brady and the uh, 49ers probably, if not the favorite, the next favorite with the Chiefs in terms of potential Super Bowl champion next year. Like that becomes the storyline of not only the offseason, but the regular season all the way through the postseason, that is a massive thing because while Tom Brady, not the exact same Tom Brady from his youth, he is still really, really, really good. And with those weapons and that defense, that gives him a very, very real opportunity to get Super Bowl number eight, which also, after Pat gets his second earlier this year, he has been to three, he has won two, He has been in an AFC championship game every year of his career as a starter. Like 
Maybe Brady wants to put a little more space in between him and Patrick Mahomes because that goat that goat debate is shrinking by the year with Patrick Mahomes already. He's like the goat on the ranch that just won't die is what he is. <laughs> and I feel like he's also going to be the only man in history to retire three times if he comes back again, retires once, comes back, retires again, comes back. It's like, is this Zombie Brady? Can it we might call be. him Zombie Brady from now on? But I am here for Zombie Brady. But, you know, I also think he's one of those guys who cannot be alone. He cannot sit still. He has to constantly be doing things. Something, you know, we, we had compared him to Aaron Rodgers earlier. And mm-hmm. I think Aaron Rodgers is not that. Aaron Rodgers no. can lock himself in a dark room for four days and come out and, and Aaron Rodgers will walk away whenever he feels like it. Right, and he's going to be fine. I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that comes in and out of retirement. He's not going to miss it. Brady just has some a lot going on upstairs. In fact, I, Brady should lock himself in a dark room for four days. I feel like help him. I'm Tom Brady in a way. In terms, of, <laughs> No, in terms of like, I do not think if I ever tried to retire that retirement would sit well with me. Oh, really? I am not good with idle time. Oh, me neither. I'd be that old lady <laughs> volunteering and they're like, God, she won't go away and she's messing everything up, but she just keeps coming back and we don't have the heart to tell her to stop coming back. That would be me. <laughs> I'm going to like work until I die, even if it's for free. Like, <laughs> I look at Aaron Rodgers coming back, Tom Brady with the potential. Like, There are so many moves that could happen this offseason with the quarterbacks. Now, the New York Giants want to keep Daniel Jones. Franchise tag will pay him a certain amount. Uh, I believe it is just over 35 to $40 million when you average in the top five quarterback salaries. But he apparently wants $45 million a season when talking about a new contract with the New York football Giants. <laughs> That's a tall ask. <laughs> That's the going rate for quarterbacks, and I get it. Derek Carr wants $35 million. I believe he is a better quarterback. I believe he is a better bargain. Lamar wants $230 million guaranteed, at least. That's what Deshaun Watson got. Lamar's a fully guaranteed... He is very good. You know, and like... I believe the clock on his trade starts the second the Baltimore Ravens slapped the franchise tag on him. The franchise tag window is open. It opened this week on Tuesday. It will close on March the 7th as the deadline for teams to franchise tag a player. There's no rush to franchise tag them because it is, and this is the sad truth when it comes to the franchise tag. It was meant to be something to be a bridge to a long-term contract for teams. Like, hey, blah, blah, blah. Here's the average of the top five quarterback salaries or, or, or your position salary. We will continue in good faith to hit you with this and continue our negotiations until the deadline and, and try and work out a long-term deal. That's what it's supposed to be meant to be. Right. The NFL owners are starting to, because of loopholes, they are starting to use this as a weapon against players in which we're going to tag you without the real benefit of trying to work out a long-term deal. We are going to tag you and see what, try and get another year of evaluation out of maybe a Daniel Jones. Like, we're going to give you the top five just to make sure last year wasn't a fluke, right? Right. Before we truly extend you. We're going to tag you and make sure that you don't get hurt. 
that you can stay healthy. We're going to tag you and see if we can raise your value and trade you. Like yeah. They're using it for everything but the bridge to a long-term contract. Right. And the cat is out of the bag. The toothpaste is out of the tube. Whatever <laughs> metaphor you want to use to try and say fully guaranteed contracts, the Cleveland Browns gave Deshaun Watson a $230 million fully guaranteed contract. Lamar Jackson wants that type of contract. Lamar Jackson has a better resume than does Deshaun Watson when it comes to being a quarterback in the NFL. He has an MVP. He has an MVP finalist. So he has two MVP conversations, one MVP season. He is the only other outside of Tom Brady to win a unanimous MVP in the NFL. It was literally the only other is him and someone else, and that person is the greatest player ever to have played the game of football at the quarterback position. He is one of the only players to have a unanimous MVP in league history. You look at all of these things that he has done. Now, he has the same kind of record when it comes to the postseason as a Dak Prescott. He has not gotten his team over the hump. He has also not been supplied with the same weapons that a lot of quarterbacks have within their career. He is better than Deshaun Watson in terms of resume at every step along the way, including the playoffs. So... I understand him wanting Deshaun money because he is, in fact, as good, if not better. Now, this comes down to the owners either colluding to never give out another guaranteed contract in the NFL, which it's easy to do with certain other position groups. Mm -hmm. The reason Deshaun got the contract he did is because quarterbacks make teams desperate. And I believe if Lamar Jackson were fully a free agent, didn't have to give up draft compensation, if he were just allowed to go into free agency this offseason, free and clear, every single team that doesn't have their answer at quarterback would be bidding against themselves, and he would eventually end up with the contract that he wants. Hmm. Hmm. I can't stand Deshaun Watson, so it's hard for me to speak on him. I get it. All things considered. But I'm just speaking on Deshaun's contract. Yes. And that's understandable. I guess it depends on the cap space that they have Mm -hmm. and the wiggle room they have around bringing on such a huge contract like Lamar. I I agree. It totally depends, but they will make things work. They will cut players. They will restructure players. They will do salary cap gymnastics to make sure that they can fit that contract under their salary cap in whichever way that they could. And I could see a Miami getting in on this. I could see Atlanta getting in on this. I can see probably 20 of the 32 teams that do not have a quarterback. If he was a free agent, free and clear, the Houston Texans, the Indianapolis Colts, any team looking for a quarterback this offseason, the Uh, Washington Commanders, the Carolina Panthers, the New York Jets. Name a team that doesn't have a quarterback, the New York Football Giants. Any team that doesn't have the answer at quarterback, whose name is not Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, whoever they don't have their guy would be in the market for Lamar Jackson. Oh, absolutely. And I'm guessing, is this 230 over a couple of years? Or it would be probably a five, okay, six, seven-year deal. Okay, I was going to say deal. five. Okay, that's not a bad deal at all in comparison to every... I don't think that's no, a bad it's, deal at it's all. No, not, 
it's not ridiculous. The ridiculous part is the fully guaranteed, mm-hmm. which owners are very, very hesitant to meet. But quarterbacks make them very, very thirsty yeah. <laughs> because they are so important. And a quarterback, just having a quarterback is reason for fans to come in the building. Like having a franchise quarterback does so much for a team, merchandise, ticket sales, just people buying into a franchise. Just what it does. We saw fans in the stands at Jacksonville Jaguar games these last couple of years because they found a guy in Trevor Lawrence. Right. <laughs> a lot of people found a team that is guy perpetually playing in an too. empty stadium. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I kind of feel like you kind of said it yourself earlier. Like it doesn't exactly help the players, but you know, like they're not always getting the best end of the deal because there are so many loopholes. They can be traded. Like, mm-hmm. but the two thirty guaranteed is pretty nice. And like, I don't know. That don't is know. the one thing that the players truly want. They want fully guaranteed deals because this game is so violent. It is so short for the players' average uh, career span. For a normal NFL, like just average NFL player lifespan is about three and a half years in terms of their playing career. My goodness. But also like that's the trade off for being like, I want $230 million guaranteed. Imagine being that valuable and powerful that any team in the NFL would be grabbing at that. It is the only sport of the big four. Look at the uh, Major League Baseball, fully guaranteed contracts. Basketball fully guaranteed contracts like they all have fully guaranteed contracts the only sport that doesn't the nfl which Mm. is the biggest of all of those sports and it's not close that's crazy (laughs) sounds very american of them it is very 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 american it's very very capitalistic yeah (laughs) bs i get both sides but you know i get it i get it look they both I understand both sides of it. I understand what the owners want and what part of the love of the NFL is their ability to walk away from contracts at certain points. Uh, the fully guaranteed makes that a little bit rougher for owners to stomach when you cut players, the salary cap ramifications. So I understand it. I also understand the players wanting it because of the type of sport it is, the shortness of the career, and just wanting that security. It's a very difficult tightrope line to walk, but it's where we stand and the quarterbacks kind of control the land. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with Lamar Jackson this offseason once the franchise tag deadline comes and goes and what the actual, if they make him fully available for trade, which is seeming more and more likely by the day. She is Katie Goodman. I'm James Pledger. You're listening to the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star. When we come back, the San Antonio Spurs, well, they're not good. (laughs) They're not. They have lost 15 straight. They're looking at 16 and 17 as they got a back-to-back with the Utah Jazz coming down the line, and the Utah Jazz are actually pretty good, thanks to one Larry Markkinen, who this guy wanted for years and years and years here in San Antonio. That's another story for another day, but we are all looking towards the potential of a Victor Wimbanyama. Good old Wimby. Oh, or even Scoot Henderson. I was just going to say, Scoot. Scoot's a good option as well. But what happens in the worst case scenario? 
We'll talk about it next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and ESPNSA.com. This is Mike Greenberg, and you're home for the Dallas Cowboys. San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 1250. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM. ESPNSA.com. I'm James Pleasure, joined by Katie Goodman as we take you through your Saturday morning all the way up to 10 o'clock. But could get to sleep in an extra hour if you're in the near future. As we get closer to March Madness, there is a good chance that we could, could get an extra hour of sleep. I wouldn't be mad about that at all. I wouldn't either, but you know. Straight People up, are I, creatures I of habit. They I turn on. Be sleeping anyway. You know, I'll I'll still be up. The worst of it was the seven a.m. wake up. That was yeah, that, that was brutal. Was seven to nine was a tough one. Yeah, that was eight tough. to tens. I'm not mad about. Mm-mm. Yeah, I'm really happy here. But nine hey. to eleven works really well though, especially during the college football season because that is kickoff for a lot of games. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get to take things right up to it, right. and that's always a fun thing. Same thing goes for college basketball right about this time. So. There is that, but <laughs> the San Antonio Spurs, as we talk about college basketball, have an eye on the college and international landscape as they get prepared for the NBA draft as they have lost 15 straight. And there's a chance that, you know, they could be picking quite highly this offseason when it comes to the NBA draft. The NBA draft lottery will be decided in May, just before the playoffs, so we are keeping an eye out on that. But it is tough when these losses start building up on teams and their fan bases, especially, especially one who has not had to deal with this in, you know, 25 years or so. Right. I mean, the last time the Spurs had to deal with something like this, the Dallas Cowboys were, you know, talk, there was Super Bowls in their near past there was a tension you know you could divert your attention to another winning team nearby unfortunately for us i mean they're winning they're just not winning at the same clip that they were (laughs) they're kind of winning now the spurs i get it you're not used to this it's hard it is a difficult task it is hard to watch they are competitive if you've watched games they do play hard The Mavs game was a three-point game into the third quarter before they kind of blew the doors open. I understand the frustration from fans. I do. But you have to look for the positives in a season like this when you're dealing with what is happening, which is, A, they're not very good. B, there's a lack of, quote-unquote, top-end talent. Mm -hmm. And C... I don't know that the attempt to win is truly there. I I like to think of it as they're building depth for next season. You know, like, and it's taking all these young guys, some from G League, you know, some, you know, 19-year-olds like Branham who would not have had a chance to get as many minutes as he has been lately. Not a chance to get, you know, ni- almost 19 points per game. I just think... It's all the little pockets of light for me. Like, I see, you know, moments where it's like, wow, that looked like a great, like, that looks like a great Spurs team to me. Like, that was great stuff, but it's just not consistent. And one thing I found, and this is at the college level, any level, any game, any sport, really, is you got to go minute by minute. Like, how many quality minutes do you have a game? 
maybe 20 for mm-hmm. the Spurs. They need to be getting up to 40 sure. or more, you know? And but right now they're kind of they're they're just not putting together the quality minutes in the way that they need to be. And that's something that will come with time and with better players as you introduce them, right? But it's also this is a huge building phase and as anybody knows, Caterpillar has to break through the, you know, the cocoon. The cocoon and this is the cocoon part where it just sucks. We're starting to see some growth though. Yeah. We, if J- Jeremy Soham was uh, the ninth overall pick and started his NBA career very roughly. They legitimately broke down his shot to a one-handed pizza box style free throw yeah. because they're trying to build his his jumper because it was broken. Like they, his shot was broken and they were trying to rebuild it on the fly. And credit to Jeremy for accepting the let's face it, embarrassment of a professional player to have to do that in live-action games in which a lot of younger players do this when they're trying to fix their shot early on. This is something he could have worked on in practice only, but he is taking it to games, and he has humbled himself enough, and we're seeing the results of that. His shooting percentage has increased from three, from free throw, all of it, substantially this year. It is working. These are, he was an NBA player of the a rookie of the month finalist last year. Jeremy Sohan looks like a jack of all trades that can be a very very important piece to a championship team at some point down the line. Right, and I love that for him. I love that he has been able to humble himself. I think a lot of the best players walk that fine line of being, you know, they have their ego that drives them, but it's the humbleness about it. It's it's knowing that, hey, I'm good enough to be here and to do this. I'm just going to do it a slightly different way. And, like, all the best players that I have ever met in my life have not given me this air of arrogance. And it's because they know deep down they're truly confident in their ability. You know, like, so they don't have to act. They don't have to fake their confidence. And to me, that fake ego is fake confidence. And and I think when you do stuff like the one-handed shots, you know, I I think that's just, like, humbling yourself a little bit. And, and I think that's only going to help him in the future but I don't know speaking of one-handed shots have you ever heard of a a kid named Emmanuel Hansen he plays for Northwestern State University Mm -hmm. he only has one arm Mm because he was in a car accident and I got to watch him play a couple days ago and I have never been so inspired in my life yeah and I the whole time I was thinking of Sohan taking the the (laughs) one-handed free throw I'm like this kid does everything one-handed okay so like nobody can complain around here because this kid was starting and the second best team in the Southland Conference. And they might be the first, you know, after this next game. Yeah. So I, I just, yeah, I, I think that the best people break through in the way that they need to, really and truly. No matter where you go, I think it's about what you're doing as an individual to make yourself better. And if that means humbling yourself, then by all means, so be it. Another great thing to look forward to is Malachi Branham, who has in the last nine games really come on, averaging over 15 points a game. He is, as I like to call him, DeMar, DeMar DeRozan with a little bit more range. He's got a three-point shot. He, can, he knows where his spots are in the court. He knows kind of how to get to them and how to score pretty efficiently. Now, in terms of DeMar, he became more of a facilitator and a better overall overall all-around player under Popovich, but I'm talking about early DeMar, early Toronto score. Like, he he just kind of knows how to get to his spots on the floor, 
and score, and he has a little bit more range, and there's there's a lot of there there. And Malachi Branham was, I believe, the 20th overall pick of the Spurs this year. He gives them some additional hope from this year's draft class, especially when you have said goodbye to a Joshua Primo and a lottery pick, and it helps to kind of offset that loss with what we've seen in the last month, if he can keep that up. And you add him to a Devin Vassell, who we've seen take a substantial jump before his injury and become a really, really intriguing player as a developmental or not even developmental, but just someone who the the ceiling seems very high on. And along with a Keldon Johnson, who is a very good player who can be one of the better scorers on your roster, like there are starting to become building pieces in place for when you eventually possibly land one of those top picks in the NBA draft. Right, and Branham can shoot from all levels. He can shoot inside the arc, outside the arc, and he's also starting to pick up some assists, which tells you he's just a team player. He's not a ball hog. He's not just trying to drive in the paint all the time. You know, he can... He can shoot from a lot of different places and do a lot of different things. And when you combine him with a guy like Keldon and with, you know, Vassell gets back, like if you can just maintain that movement and quick transitions and if he can be that piece of the puzzle to keep from there being that stagnation in the transition, then it, they're going to be a much better looking team. But then therein lies the question is, do they want to be a much better looking team to that degree? You know, if, if we're going for Wimby here, if that really and truly is the case. We we can only hope because all the bottom three teams have the same 14% chance of landing the top spot. So it is just a crapshoot. So having the worst record, having the third worst record, you just want to be in the top three. You want that opportunity. But you could also fall as far as sixth. So... You have to keep an eye out for the potential of a worst-case scenario. <laughs> Unfortunately, if you don't land in the top two and get Wimby or Scoot, you have to start looking outside of that at players like Cam Whitmore from Villanova and uh, Nick Smith about, Jr. Yeah. and um, Dariq Whitehead from Duke. Dariq Whitehead. you got to look. Jason Wallace, Kentucky. There's a couple of Case options. Jason Wallace. Yeah. Younger brother of Keaton Wallace of UTSA. Oh, okay. Atta boy. So <laughs> just kind of a, 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 be a, a little San Antonio thread. Tie. Yeah. There's a little thread there <laughs> from San Antonio. UTSA is really good. They have a great program out there too. So I, I look at this and the most intriguing prospect is that of one Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller uh, recently this week has... Come to light of someone who was in an investigation of a murder of a young lady at a club in Alabama. He is their star player and a top five lottery pick, hands down. Like There's not a question of his talent. He is extremely, extremely good. He is, by the police, not involved in the accident to an extent that they are pursuing anything on him. He has been deemed free and clear by the police at this point. Now, does that change with overtime and an investigation? Sure, it could. But 
It is a very, very sad story involving the loss of the life of a young woman, a mother, and a friend, family member, all of these things. Heinous. Yes. And the way that Alabama handled it wasn't exactly great either, you know, because... (sighs) I mean, at first, I think they were like the perfect case study with all of it up Mm -hmm. until Miller got involved. And then Coach Oates was pretty much saying like, oh, well, there's wrong place. Yeah, just wrong place, wrong time. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We need a little bit more. uh, (laughs) He has since apologized for those comments. You have those. Are those there, Coach Oates? But yeah, no, I is the number two team in the country. It is a team that has a legitimate chance at winning a title. They are one of the best teams in the country. Okay. It is a very good team. He is the best player on that team. He came back, scored 41, including the game-tying and uh, shot that sent it to overtime and the game-winning shot in overtime. He is a freak. That he is. But also... I just don't fully buy the story of him not knowing where that gun was going. If someone at night comes to you and says, hey, bring me my gun. Like, I'm sorry. I'm going to be like, a hard pass. You can come in and get your own freaking gun if you need it so bad. Like, you know, I don't know. And even then, you you might be like calling somebody like, hey, I think something's about to go down. You know, I just Especially don't... bringing it to him at a club. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, how could you not know? Okay. And and. Even worse, how could you have such terrible judgment to do that in the first place? You know, like you're an athlete, you're a star athlete, you have all this stuff on the line. How could you not be able to discern that being involved in that is bad? And I'm sorry, if if he is a prospect for San Antonio, that kind of crap doesn't really fly with the San Antonio audience. Like, we don't like that kind of mess. You know, we've always liked the classy players and like we just don't like that kind of mess around here. And this very well could be a very circumstantial of just the wrong situation, didn't read the room right. I mean, he's young. He left left this and I don't want it in my car. I'm going to take it to him, you know, trying to get, I don't need this on me. This isn't mine. I don't want it around me. Trying to drop it off and do the right thing and just distance himself. But it calls into, especially when you talk about the draft and the way you look at it from a sports perspective, judgment, company you keep, you know, being the face of a franchise when you're being drafted that high, decision-making process, like, these are all questions NBA GMs are going to have to ask themselves. Does the talent outweigh these possible, at least, cautionary flags now? And you go one step further, same school. Two years later, Josh Primo came from Alabama. He is a guy that is no longer on the San Antonio Spurs due to some concerns yeah. of character that emerged within the Spurs building. Do, does Brian Wright take a flyer on somebody with any sort of a question mark in their character when it pertains to these things. Because if you lose not only a lottery pick of Josh Primo's ability, who was the 12th overall pick, but a third or fourth or fifth or sixth overall pick in in a span of just a couple of years, and that doesn't pan out for whatever reason, that's what gets you fired. Yeah, I feel like 
maybe he can get away with this at the college level, like with the national title on the line. Like, who cares how many murder weapons he delivers? We've got a national title on the line. We're just going <laughs> to sweep this under the rug in the worst way possible because yeah. we are terrible at PR. But when you haven't even had a, a chance to do that in the NBA, I just feel like it's only going to get worse in the NBA. You Remember know, in December, I just don't think Pop is down. We that. criticized the University of Texas for taking too long to come to a decision to d- indefinitely suspend Chris Beard. Right, and no charges were brought of that instance. But also, they they could have been ahead of the curve. They knew he had the to gun. even just suspend him and be like, "Look, go away for a game or two. Yeah, yeah. Come back. Well, you know, after everything's kind of settled, in a sense, right." And, you know, the police have fully vetted the situation and been like, I, th- we're good, good. Like, everything to be so close to a situation and come up with this decision of, yeah, you know, this is an important game. We got to play. So it feels very, very sketchy. Very. Very sketchy. Because <laughs> he not only that, in his last game, he had 41 points. Yes. Any other time, they would have blasted that all over social, and they were crickets. Crickets. Winning fixes everything <laughs> in the world of sports. It always has. It's it so always cool. will. She is Katie Goodman. I'm James Pledger. This is the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star. When we come back, there's been some additions to both the Cowboys and Texans staff over recent weeks, and some of them are quite interesting. We'll let you know what they are when we come back here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, and ESPNSA.com. This is Rob Thompson, and you are listening to 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Welcome back to the Saturday Morning Hangover here on San Antonio Sports Star. I'm James Pledger, joined by Katie Goodman, Jack Thompson at a wedding this weekend. But we are muddling through the day to get you to 10 o'clock, get you ready for a very, very big basketball day here on the star coming up at 10 45 we got a huge huge game as the villanova wildcats and one of the top draft prospects cam whitmore take the court and take on creighton that game will start at 10 45 11 o'clock tip followed by texas a&m the 25th ranked aggies getting set to take on Katie's Mississippi State Bulldogs. Go dogs. <laughs> that game. Unfortunately, it probably will not be great. For it's at 2 o'clock, and we close off the day with NBA basketball here on the Star as the Boston Celtics take on the Philadelphia 76ers in a Eastern Conference showdown of top teams. But I mentioned coaching staff changes. We'll start with the Texans quick and easily as uh, D'Amico Ryan's finalized his staff. You start to see people he brought in. Matt Burke, defensive coordinator. Bobby Slowick, he was the offensive passing game coordinator for the 49ers, will be the offensive coordinator here. Safeties coach Stephen Nadoki comes from San Francisco as well, as did Nick Cray and a few other assistants joining the staff. Frank Ross was retained as a special teams coordinator. Jacques Casari, who was a defensive lineman for the Texans back in the day, will be the defensive line coach. Former Texas A&M quarterback Gerard Johnson, he is going to be your quarterback's coach, which is very cool. But one of the names I saw on the staff really caught my attention in terms of, A, Cole Popovich. Just, you know, the last name Popovich just kind of caught me. I was like, oh, really? But, Another pop. 
the name that caught my attention was a senior offensive assistant in Bill Lazor, who was a big-time offensive coach with the Dolphins in 2014-15, really kind of helped get things going, and then he was with the Bengals and the Eagles. Like He's known for his offensive mind, so seeing him on this staff uh, really kind of intrigued me. Seems like an OG, you know, like a couple of really solid teams that he's been on and then bringing that over to the Texans is kind of a a big deal versus, you know, like a a Gerard Johnson who was just an assistant quarterback coach. Like he's just kind of starting his trajectory and building. Whereas on the flip side, you've got a guy who's bringing in some. He brings in some knowledge, some experience, and I think that's important for especially a new head coach in D'Amico Ryans. It gives him somebody to kind of lean on, a little bit of experience in the room, and a a forward-thinking offensive innovator, which he was known as as his time through the NFL. So seeing him as a senior offensive assistant on the staff, at least like it just caught my attention more than anything. It was like, okay. That's a that's a really low key kind of interesting hire for, I think, for the sorry. staff. No, you're fine. I was gonna say I think out of anybody, like anybody in the NFL, I feel like the Texans are really doing it right. I feel like D'Amico is just like handling it the way it needs to be handled. There's even, a lot of buying. even the hire of D'Amico in the first place. Yes, like it's just they. It's not often that you you see people doing like the right thing. <laughs> it, it, it is. It, this off season, after a bunch of universally despised off seasons, feels like a universally adored off season in every sense of the matter for the Houston Texans. So it is a nice change of pace. It feels like for an organization that has been through some lean times over the last few years. For the Dallas Cowboys, it feels like every simulation of the previous offensive coaching staff has gone. Kel Moore, Doug Nussmeyer, doesn't matter all out the door on their way to other jobs. Skip Pete, the running backs coach, who has now landed this week with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as did linebackers coach um, George Edwards, who is going to coach outside linebackers in Tampa as well. Everybody gone. Nussmeyer with Kellen Moore in Los Angeles. Like Everything is done, and they bring in a couple of names. Blasco, the running backs coach. Scott Tolzien as quarterbacks coach. Scott Tolzien, actually a former quarterback of Mike McCarthy with the Green Bay Packers back in the mid-2000s. So this is all McCarthy staff. This Offensively, they have scrubbed every Jason Garrett former tie to any previous coaching regime or people that were left in the building when he got there. This is McCarthy's offensive staff. This is going to be people he's picked, people he's worked with, people he's familiar with. There's no more acclimating to other people in the building. This is people that he wants. And to me, that says you're going to sink or swim with your own guys, which tells me this season is very important for Mike McCarthy's future with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, he's having to cover all his bases. You know, I anytime you see clearance of staff, I feel like that's a bit of scapegoating there instead of taking all the blame as a head coach. And the only way to try to circumvent that again is by hiring more people who you think are going to be in your corner. 
the ultimate scapegoat of any NFL franchise, it feels like, is the fact that you clear out a coaching staff that is not the head coach and replace everyone on that staff except the head coach. That usually feels like one of the last things before a coaching change is made, at least if you look through the history of coaching changes. Right. Yeah. I definitely a red flag for me, or at least a pink flag at a bare minimum. Yeah. You better hope the other guys can step up. Yeah, fuchsia. <laughs> <laughs> Take your rose colored goggles off, people, because these flags are popping up. Uh this just feels like it is shaping up to be a very, very important year for Mike McCarthy in terms of his future with the Dallas Cowboys. I know that he said he wants him there as long as Tom Landry was. He wants him to be his future, but I do believe the future may be on the staff in Dan Quinn, who once again went on head coaching interviews, decided to come back and stay one more year with Mike McCarthy. It wouldn't shock me if once again the offense fails in some way, shape, or fashion that Mike McCarthy is let go and Dan Quinn is elevated to the title of head coach because the defense the last few years has not been the issue. The offense, whether it's slow starts, penalties the year before or this year, just bad play in which the defense doesn't even allow 20 points. 19 points is what they allowed. And your number one ranked or top ranked offense could not even muster more than 20 points to win that game. That is something that at least puts you on notice. And I feel Mike McCarthy is now on notice with the Dallas Cowboys and that Jerry Jones is letting him sink or swim with his own guys as he is taking over the play calling duties from Kellen Moore and he is going to call his own plays. So best of luck to you, Mike McCarthy. This feels like a very important year for you. She is Katie Goodman. I'm James Pledger. This is the Saturday morning hangover on San Antonio sports star. We're going to put a ball on the show when we come back next right here on 94.1 FM and ESPNSA.com. This is 94.1, San Antonio's Sports Star. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, ESPNSA.com. I'm James Pledger, joined by Katie Goodman this morning as we put the finishing touches on this show. Almost there. You got any plans this weekend? Oh, sports. All sports. All sports? All the time? Yep. I'm going to Austin FC tonight after I call a doubleheader for UIW, but then tomorrow's going to be a girls' wellness day with my best friend. Much needed. Maybe some cryotherapy and yoga. That'd be awesome. Cryotherapy or crying therapy. Why not both? Just Just don't cry in the cryo. (laughs) Right. Or you just lock myself in a dark room like Aaron Rodgers, you know, call it a day. Definitely wouldn't hurt. Super down for that, actually. Sounds great to me. Just close it all out for a little bit. Dark room for me, it just put me a bet forever. I wouldn't be no meditating, it would be dreaming. <laughs> right, yeah, dreaming, connecting with the ancestors. I'm very intrigued by tomorrow's boxing match with Tommy Fury and Jake Paul. Like, I don't know why I am, it, it intrigues me to no end because this is, he has beaten some quality combatants, none of them boxers, some of them USC fires. Some of them celebrities, but this is a boxer he's fighting for the first time. And I I give Jake Paul his flowers. Jake Paul 
you can tell has put into the work to be an actual boxer. And it's been impressive to this point. This is the first real, real, real test. I'm always impressed by boxers and MMA fighters, anybody. Like, their ability to drop weight, I'm like, man, I can't say no to a cookie (laughs) if it's in front of me. I do not have that self-control. But for them, it's like a normal thing. They just starve themselves after gains. That's like... I mean, for me, that's a normal thing, too. (laughs) She is Katie Goodman. I'm James Pledger. Thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star.